many times when God allows these things to happen, he sometimes, he many times allow us to be in the midst of it. The question is, how do we function in the midst of it? Do we function based on the circumstances that are taking place? Do we get so obsessed in protecting ourselves in it that we got to do everything we can to make sure we make it? Or do we do it the way he says to do it? Because if I do it the way he says to do it, I'm saying loud, God, I trust you. I believe in you. I'm not controlled by circumstances. I'm controlled by your word. Why? Because the just, those who choose to live right, will live by what they can't see by believing in what they understand biblically. And the Bible is saying this is not about survival. This is about getting better in a storm. This is about maturing in a storm. This is getting greater in a storm. Coming out of a storm stronger and more productive and wiser and more committed to the scriptures and more committed to God. Going through a storm for a Christian is not survival. It is a time of growth and power and experiencing God as his best. That's what it is. What do you do when following God makes life harder? What I mean by that is you're a single person and God is saying you got to stay pure. But I don't mean your feelings ain't raging war up inside of you. You still dealing with loneliness, still dealing with the pain of raising kids by yourself. So doing God didn't make it easier. It made it tougher in the short run. What happens when following God just creates a lot of anxiety? Because following him means that he is telling you to come out and serve him responsibly with COVID going on. He is telling you to provide for your family <laughs> despite COVID. And it creates anxiety, stress when your kids are going out to school. Because you saw what keeping them at home did to you, did to them. So now you did that, but it don't mean your anxiety level went down. It just means it went up. What do you do when you do have homosexual feelings, but God is saying that's sinful, but it don't take away the feeling? What do you do when you're broke and God is talking about giving? What do you do when God is talking about submitting to your husband, loving your wife when they ain't feeling like that right now? But God is directing you to do those things. He's telling you to do stuff that is contrary to our feelings, our level of anxiety, level of stress, loneliness, sometimes depression, sometimes getting up off that bed when you just don't have nothing left, but that's what God said. You're reading your Bible, but it's not making any sense because your mind is in 20 different places. And you're trying to concentrate to read, but... The more you do God is the more sometimes it's hard to even talk to him. It's hard to pray. It's hard to walk with him. How does 
All of these things lead you still to a step to faith rather than walking away from him. Not walking away from, I'm not going to church no more, I'm not going to read the Bible no more, but walking away from him in that there's no passion to follow him. It's just, this is what you do. You go to church. You're supposed to have devotions. You're supposed to be nice. You're supposed to do all these different things, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you have a passion for any of it because all of that fire has been taken out of you just doing God. What happens when you do that? I mean, you wouldn't be the first person, by the way. I mean, you start going to Abraham, 25 years waiting for one child. Then he said, kill the kid. Is that you if not the first person? I mean, you find it in this passage of scripture that there's a whole lot of group of people that will struggle like this. They were supposed to go a different way. It was the shortest way. It was the way that was easiest to climb or go get over. It was like going across the Rio Grande. And God literally tells them, no, nope, don't go that way. That is the easiest way. I want you to go the hard way. And I will lead you the hard way. I will lead you to a war that you will have. I'm not saying you wouldn't have a war. You're going to have a war. And I'm going to lead you smack dab into it. And I'm going to let the person who has total authority to do whatever he wants see you walking around and get him fired up to come after you. What do you do? How do you learn to trust God when he keeps acting like God? When he doesn't bend to us. He doesn't follow what our feelings say. He doesn't co compromise. He stays God, keep demanding what he is saying, loving us through it. How do you keep doing stuff you don't want to do when God is talking? Well, let's find it in this passage and let us stand and read it in Exodus chapter 14 as we continue this series in the wild. What is it like to be in the wild? To live where there are predators, to live where there's an economy that is up and down, to live when the stress of this pandemic has led to stress in the house, when the stress of this pandemic has led to apathy, frustration, anxiety, anger. What do we do when things are just wild? And God just keeps saying the same stuff. Go to Africa right now? Yes. Unless I stop you, shut down borders, I told you to go. When you, what do you do when things are wild? How do you walk in this faith and not just do it out of grudgery and out of compulsion and out of need rather than out of love. In Exodus chapter 14, I'm going to read spots of this. He verse said in verse 19, And the angel of the Lord who had been going before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. Look at verse 21. And then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord swept the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land so the waters were divided 
And the sons of Israel went through the midst of the sea on the dry land. And the waters were like a wall to them on the right hand and on the left. 24. At the morning watch, the Lord looked down on the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud and brought the army of Egyptians into confusion. Verse 25. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve and he made them drive with difficulty. So the Egyptians said, let us flee from Israel for the Lord is fighting for them against the Egyptians. Verse 30. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore and when they saw the great power which the Lord has used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Dear God, you've, not, you've let this pass, these passages stay in the scriptures to teach us what it's really like from your vantage point about life. Not from an earthly standpoint, but from a heavenly vantage point. God, I know it's different, so help it to be clear how you see it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. One of the things that you will find in this passage as we take steps to faith, as we seek to press on and doing what God is saying when there's so many problems ahead of the way, in the way. It's the first thing is, is to look for the hand of God. You have to look for the hands of God. I know many times I've driven my wife crazy and I would say things like, I see his hand, so I'm good. I don't really care how difficult it is, how complex it is, how draining it may be, I, I need to see his hands. God first showed his hand. Let me show you what that means when God first showed his hand. It's when the people, when he said you're not going to go the near way, he immediately provided them a cloud and a fire. A cloud and a fire was provided to them when he said that you're going to go the long way. The long way. It may sound simple to you, but the long way is long. Why is it long? Because the long way means that you having baby, you have a little baby in your hand. Ain't no incubator, no sterilized situation. The long way means that you got to carry all your stuff on some kind of a donkey cart or on your back. The long way means you're digging a hole in the ground and you're using the restroom in the ground. That's why people in the Near East, they wear these long gongs. It's so that they can use the restroom and still cover themselves saw that for myself being in Africa. So you may think they just have this wide long gown on, they're trying to have their privacy when they use the restroom and people could be around because they don't get the nice thing of going into the restroom and closing the door. They don't always get that. How'd you like that? How'd you like your wife having to find a place with two million people around and you have to find a place that she has to use the restroom and you're trying to protect her as best as you can. That's what the long way means in the short form. The long way is not an easy way. The shortest way is the right way to go because that's why Moses was going the short way. It's easy to cross the, across the Red Sea. It's shallower. It is shorter, but it is worse. We dealt with that. 
But what does the long way mean? First thing you find in here is God has to prepare the way. In other words, we have to ask ourselves, what is God telling me to do? You have to understand that. Once we understand that, our feelings and how we think and what our anxieties are, all has to not be thrown to the side, even though they're there and have to be recognized, because the Bible is talking about the fact that Abraham would look at the fact that his wife was barren, look at the fact that she was 75 years of age, and Abraham said, I will not stagger in my faith. It doesn't mean he did not have a struggle in what he was dealing with. You see him sometimes laughing when God is speaking. He struggled from time to time. But he still, with all those feelings, with all those issues, he still did his best to move forward. Paul would say, be anxious for nothing. But how I dealt with my anxiety is I met it with prayer. None of these people didn't have anxiety. None of these people didn't have stresses. They're telling us they did. They even had bad thoughts. I wish you would come this week and hear about those things. He's got bad thoughts. He says whatever is good, whatever is right, whatever is lovely fix your mind on those things. Why? Why is he telling us to fix our mind? Because he needed to fix his mind when folk are beating you in the back. Tearing you up. You're following God and you're on a, side, you're on a shipwreck being the only one bitten by a snake. He's saying hey, keep your mind positive. Don't let it drag you down. Don't let it bring in all these speculations and thoughts and fears and let all those emotions take you in a direction that is opposing the will of God. So you could feel those things, but the will of God should never be compromised. It is the first thing you have to come to grips with. You see this with Daniel. Daniel would say, I made up in my mind, chapter 1, verse 8, that I will do what God tells me to do. I will do that. What does that mean for Daniel? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is in the fire. What does that mean for Daniel? Daniel has to deal with a lion's den. He got people on his job cutting him in the back, stabbing him in the back. Daniel has to do with people doing mean things to him. Where's Daniel's family? He got no family. That's why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego meant lots to him. He's alone in a whole different place, got to learn a different language, wear different clothes. They shave all his head off, give him a whole nother name, and he's got to live in this place for the next 70 years because God said so. But Daniel made up in his mind the path that God has mapped out is the path. That's the first thing. He gave him a fire. He gave him a cloud. This is the path. And here is the evidence of that path. First thing. Once he did that, watch, and they accepted it. You know, don't let me twist it. They didn't accept it willingly. How do I know that? Look at verse 10. They do like us is. They did this in verse 10. As Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very frightened. So and don't forget now, you be in slavery with people that are beating you and killing you. And you saw that with Moses and the Egyptian. You've been in slavery. You got to take straw and make bricks. These people abusing you. And then I'm saying people coming to get you for all those years and decades they've been doing that to you. And you don't have the same military hardware they have. You would be frightened too. Let me make it real for you. Somebody's been mistreating you for a long time. And you're at the gas station trying to pump gas. And they're walking up to your car with an M16, a rifle, somebody, somebody else has a rifle, another one has a dagger, and the other one has a pistol, and they're coming towards you, and God is saying to you, get the stick. 
Let me, let me make it real for you. God says in the midst of that, he tells your husband, who's the, let's suppose you had a husband sitting on the other side of the seat. And you look at your husband and he said, he said, what are we going to do? They're coming here. He says, okay, let me get the stick. You would kick him out the car. That's what you're dealing with here. And they get angry. And Israel cried out to the Lord. Verse 11, then they said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die? They already decided they're going to die. They're not even seeing if they're going to die or not going to die. They've concluded they're dead. Understand, it's not like Moses didn't trip out either. Look at verse 15. And the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying to me? Why are you here crying? They cried to God first, then they turned on the leader. And the leader's hearing two million people, just about two million people screaming at him. So he decided to cry to God. And God is going, man, you know what you got to do. What are you crying for? So not only are the people tripping, it's just that Moses stayed crying to God and the people turned on him. Now, now, now watch this carefully. And so it's not that they didn't struggle. Even the leader Moses that has seen God do mighty things in Egypt with frogs and the Nile and, and cows being hit with hail and all these mighty things that God has done against all their gods. That was great. That was awesome. <laughs> but Moses, when he see the Egyptian army, who was once a general over that army, Moses goes, Hey, God, help me. Help me, God. I told you I didn't want to do this mess. But you just had to bring me here. And you got all these people going to come up against me. When I was just taking care of sheep, minding my own business, you had to come meet me with some kind of fire and bring me here. And then you're going to give me a stick, a stick, not a sword. You're not going to give me a military hardware. You're going to give me a stick, a stick, and slaves coming out of huts. God is going, Moses, what you doing here? So, please understand, doing things God's way doesn't make it easy for anybody. No matter what success God may have given them in the past, it doesn't make it easy. We keep looking for easy because Satan is always organizing easy in the culture so that when we talk to God, it's too hard. So a lot of people struggle with coming to living work. That guy's going to preach the Bible. and make you go through verses. It's too hard. I just want to go hear a word and go to heaven. Because the culture says, let it be easy. I go to work. My paycheck is automatically in the bank on payday. Sometimes they're nice to send it the night before. And it's there. I pay my bills. I can pay my bills on automatic pilot. I can just press reoccurring. Everything is easy. I go to my car, I press the button, the car goes down. I could start my car when I'm in church to cool it down for me. I could start my air condition at the house. I can open the door using Alexius. <laughs> I purposely said that wrong. <laughs> I could use, I said, Alexis, open the door. Mm. Alexis, lock the door. Mm. Now you can even open your garage and lock it with Alexis. That's a, that's, a, that's a tough woman. So you, you got all of this luxury and then God comes to you and say, you are my workmanship 
created in Jesus to do good works. We don't want that. That's why it requires steps to faith. Because it's work. We don't want work. When we come to church, we already been at work. We don't want more work. Preach, just tell me how God can bless me. Just mix, fix this up for me so that I have an easy life and I got blessed in the city, blessed in the fields, blessed when I come or when I go. Do that, preacher. Show me how I can get some money and some honey. How God can fix my marriage where it's just bubbling over like when we first met. Do that. But don't be telling me he who was in me is greater than he was in the world. I can do all things through Christ, but I don't seem to be able to do nothing. See, that's the issue. They can't do nothing. They're waiting for God to do everything. And what's in front of them is impossible to accomplish, humanly speaking. And all they got is his word. That's it. This word. Look what God does when Moses, that's why as a leader you must learn, it ain't what the people say, how they feel, how they think. It's what God is saying. If you're going to lead based on how popular you are in a church, it will never do God. You will not. You lead based on what God puts on your heart to do, and he will send enough people for you to get there. Look at verse 19. And the angel of the Lord who had been going before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. When did that happen? It happened when Moses decided to obey God. Look at verse 16. And as you lift up, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, then the sons of Israel will go through the midst of the sea on dry land. Moses was ready. God sees he's ready. The angel of the Lord moves. Well, look carefully. Where was the angel of the Lord doing at first? Was in front of him. Where's the angel of the Lord going? Behind him. One time God leads you and another time God protects you. But it all depends on how you and I decide to respect the will of God. If I don't decide to respect the will of God, I'm on my own because I'm going in a direction he is not leading. Abide in me and I will abide in you. And you will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. It doesn't mean that you wouldn't do something for a while, but eventually it comes to nothing. In other words, it brings you no eternal benefit. It brings you no internal benefit in the sense that when you keep moving forward, you don't in your way, you, you still have less joy less peace, less strength to keep going because it's your way. That's why he says, take the step to faith. You got to first commit to me. But the minute you do that, I go to a place you have no protection. You're back. Now go to Hebrews chapter 10. I want you to compare this with Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians chapter 6, the Bible talks about armor and it's all in the front of us. It is the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit, the belt of truth, <laughs> the, 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 the shield of faith in front. Why? You say you can't turn and run when you follow him. Can't turn and run. Now notice, he's not depending. That's why one of the key things in this passage you got to see, he's looking to leadership to decide if leadership follows first, not the membership first. The membership, they got to have an army behind them to run into that sea. 
They got to have trouble to follow. That's why sometimes we stay in trouble because that's the only way God could get us to follow. If, if some of us got blessed with a million dollars today, we ain't in church. We're on the yacht. We're in a nice car traveling somewhere. If God was to bless us, some of us will not turn to God and even pray. Because we got money. To some of us, God got to put in a sea. In Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, look down to verse 37. And this is what you would find in a powerful way that you will never forget. People are going through trouble. Let me show you how bad the trouble is. Verse 32. And remember the former days when you were being enlightened. You endured a great conflict of suffering. Partly by being made a public spectacles through reproaches and tribulations. And partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. Look at what he says. Verse 36. You have need of endurance. In other words, you're giving up. You're turning around. You're going backwards. That's why he says in Hebrews chapter 10, look down in verse 36, he says, you're going backwards. You're going the wrong direction. He says, you have need for endurance. You lack confidence, verse 35. Verse 37 says, for yet in a little while, he who is coming will come. I will not delay. But my righteous, the ones who choose to walk right, the ones who choose to do what I say when it don't make no sense to say it, do it. The ones who would hold to my scriptures with a clear understanding of what the truth is. Because it's a belt of truth that holds up the armor. Can't just believe everything. We got to open up the Bible like the Berean Christians and check everything to make sure it's right. But the by righteous shall live by what? Not by what they see, but by what they believe. They don't follow what they see. They follow what they believe. The, the, the economy could be a mess. Political issues can be such paradoxical that it is difficult to figure out what to do. You could have so many different things on your job. People stabbing in the back. You could have so many health issues going on in these last days. You got plagues coming. You got fires in California. Earthquakes. You got volcanoes. There's so much going on. He says, I get what's going on. He said, but my righteous people don't keep their eyes on that. They keep their commitment and their hearts to the word of God. Because they're first committed to the direction he creates, not the problems they face. He says, if he shrinks back, please mark this in your Bibles. My soul has no pleasure in him. This is from an Old Testament quote. In case you said that's the New Testament, it's an Old Testament quote. I don't find any pleasure in a person who turns around and says, God, I ain't doing that no more. I am sick of this. I'm going to do me. I know how to make it. I've been in this marriage long enough to know what to do. God, I've been single too long and you keep telling me you're going to send a man, but there's more women than men, so I'm gonna, I may be one of those that don't have a man. Because there's more women than men. You go to Atlanta, I think there's 10 women to one man. And not all men. Okay, we move on. Okay? So God, you by the sheer numbers, you could be saying, I'm single. I don't want that. I want to be married. I want to have kids. The clock is ticking. So God, peace. I love you. But I got to do something. I got to catch me a man. I got to know what to do to catch this man. 
sick of the loneliness. He says, my soul, how I breathe, how I operate, has no pleasure. For we are not of those who shrink back, what, to what? Destruction. But of those who have faith for the preserving of their breath, their life every day. You see, folks, go back to Exodus. That's what he's saying. His way is the long way. His way is an Egyptian army that want to take us out. His way is the Red Sea at flood stage. His way is a man that got a stick, not a boat. But he says this, once you choose that way, I go to the back because I know that's where you're weak. I go to your weakness because you've accepted strength. Walk with me today. What is the strength? The word of God is strong. It's powerful and sharper than a double-edged sword. It stands. It doesn't wither away. The word of God is strong. So the minute I turn to the word of God, I turn to strength. It's just not my strength. It's his strength. But the minute I turn to the word of God, what does an enemy do? Attack the back. Why is attack the back? It's a vulnerable place. Do you know how trainers deal with tigers and lions and train them? You ever see them turning around? They create fear in them. And when they get the fear in them from a cub all the way up, they create fear. Once they create fear in them, they know that the lion is still a lion. The tiger is still a tiger. So they know that the minute the tiger sees your back, that's what it chases in the, in the Amazon. That's what it chases in, in places around the world. The animal runs. What is exposed? The back. So the minute the trainer turns the back, boom. Even an animal does that. The Bible is saying, forward. If you can't go forward, stand and put on the armor. But you don't turn around. Because if you turn around, I'm still looking at your back. Where's your back? It's here. You turn around, I'm still here. You have turned your back from me. Watch this carefully. You didn't turn your back just to the enemy. You turned your back from me. How many of us wanted to knock our kids' head off when they, you talk to them and they turn around and walk off? Don't raise your hand. I don't want you to go to jail or nothing. But I learned really quickly when my mom and dad were raising me, that I better not say yes ma'am and walk off. I got to wait till she finished talking. Not when I'm finished, when she's finished. I learned that really fast. I was going north and I ended up south. And it was quick. I walked away and she reached from behind me and slapped me right in the face. I remember, never forget. I found myself looking at her and her finger went this way. She goes, don't you ever turn your back on me boy. And I learned then, I will never die on the cross two times. I never did it again. That's why some of us get slapped by God. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to redirect you where I need you to go. Because you didn't turn your back for Satan to get you. You turned your back on me. Now you don't turn your back on me. Watch this carefully. Walk with me. When we're in the wild, don't create your own wild. 
Don't make your life wild by deciding to turn on God who's keeping you straight. Don't make life wild. So I, you pass along enough, you hear some crazy stuff. Pastor, I, I'm just going to marry this person. I know you don't agree, but I'm going to marry them. I said, okay. You in the bed with them. I ain't, I'm home, baby. So you're not hurting me. You the one going in that apartment. Not me, but I pray for you. I'm here for you. I'm not going to mistreat you because you decide not to listen. When things, I, I always give them like eight months. Pastor, we need to talk. Oh, I'm here. I'm still going to talk, but you ain't talking about divorce. You don't understand, Pastor. We ain't been married that long. It don't got nothing to do with being married that long. You got married. You consummated the marriage. You in now. The issue is how do we move forward? Ain't no forward. Oh, yes, there is a forward. Or you're going to stand. See, Pastor Kenny, you just don't understand. What do you mean I don't understand? I've been married 41 years. What, what is it about I don't understand? I'm human like you. Forward isn't always easy. But it's the best success record. Look at what he says here. He got your back. We don't have time for verse 20, but in verse 20, I love what God is doing. Because he's doing it all on his own initiative. Please hear this point I'm going to make with this. God is doing everything without consulting Moses. Because he, Moses decided to follow him, God is on the upside doing everything. I love that about God. Once I decide to go do his will, I'm like just doing what I'm supposed to do. He got the rest. Oh, I love that. I could jump on that, but dance on that. I always believe that in my heart. Okay, what is God saying? Do study, read, seek godly advice. Find some good pastors that do exegetical work to the bone. They don't care. They don't pick denominational sides. They don't pick the popular view. They just go in the Bible. Find me them pastors. Line them up. I got a, this pastor does this. This pastor. I got like three of them. I call them. Okay, how does this go? All right, man. No, you off on this. You need to fix this. No, your application is not right. You got the context right, but your application, I got this one. This one is more applicable. That one knows how to deal with difficulty. That one is theological. I'm going to call them and get it all lined up. Now I know what to do. Okay, I'm going to cry sometimes. I'm going to be anxious sometimes. Be difficult sometimes. But once I decide that all the activity now is on God, I want you to see that. God is not asking me to do but one thing. Will you walk the way I instruct you? We do that at the house. Kids need you to do homework and you do this. What are we doing? Working. What are we doing? Cooking. What are we doing? Driving them. We're doing a lot of work to make the home work. Watch this carefully, folks. Watch this. Uh, I'm just going to read it. So it came, pray for me when I'm reading it, because you know me. Verse 20 says, And it came between the camp, he, and it came in the picking of the cloud, on the pillar of fire. The, the, cloud, the cloud, the pillar of cloud, the, the, the cloud. So it came between the camp of Egypt, of Egypt and the camp of Israel. And there was a cloud along with the darkness. And it gave light at night on one side, Thus, it did, one did not come near the other all night. They're on foot. What do they have? Chariots. Who's going to get caught first? So God says, go to sleep. Chill out. That's why the Bible says, be anxious for what? Rest on me. Once you commit to do what I say, be anxious for nothing. I got this. 
That's why it requires steps to faith. You can't, you can't make this happen. I know some people have been making things happen so long in their life. If it ain't taking too long, I just got to do something. They're accustomed to getting up and doing something because it's just taking too long. And for years, they've been a single mom or they've been a single dad or, or they've been working as a person trying to make things work. And when it doesn't work, I... God is saying, no, once you decide to do it my way, just focus on doing it my way and rest. I got this. Could you imagine all night you got an army well equipped on the other side, but they can't break through? That's how, that's why the Bible said, go to sleep. <laughs> why are you tripping? They can't get you on the job. They may talk like they could get you, but when I have your back, like Daniel, they can't touch you. Stop stressing what, well, I don't know. They may be calling each other after work talking. They could talk all they want. But God says, listen, you stop stressing. Go home, take care of your kids, and go to sleep and relax. Because you choose to do this my way, no matter how you feel, no matter what's going on inside of you, no matter what anxieties you have, I got your back. Rest, get a good night and sleep, and go back in the morning so I can keep you focused and not mentally distressed, overwhelmed, don't know how you're going to make it because you didn't sleep all night. No, go to sleep. You got a lot of work to do. Because my way isn't easy. It's just right. Watch this, folks. Watch this. Then the one person, Caleb and Joshua was probably included in this. The one person, he says to them, stretch out your hand over the sea. See, that's why obedience is faith. Think, think about this. You got two million people hollering at you. All right? I want you to visualize it for a minute. There's two million people hollering at you. Right? And they're all screaming and hollering, maybe Joshua and Caleb, a few others maybe. And they're hollering at you. And God gets to you and he says, take the stick and stretch it out. Could you imagine how dumb that looks to everybody around you? You're standing up here, an army on your back, and he is saying, and they're watching their leader with a stick over the Red Sea. And that's all he got to do. Just stand and raise a stick. Because that's all obedience is telling him to do. That's why you can't walk by sight. Because what God says does not make any bit of sense. That's why it's a faith walk. The minute you try to make sense out of what God is saying, you're going to stay up all night. Because he's way too complicated to deal with. Okay? And you're going to be mad and frustrated and sick of him. Because he just ain't doing what I want and it's not making no sense what he's telling me to do and I'm sick of this. When you get up in the morning, he's still going to say the same thing. Get the stick and raise it. You get mad for two more days. Get the stick and raise it. I'm not changing my word. I'm not going to get you a third Corinthians. I'm not going to get you a second Romans. I'm not going to get you a second Jude. I'm not going to get you second Revelation. It is what it is. And if you change my word, you bring problems to yourself. I'm not changing it. I'm not adjusting it for you. It is what it is. <laughs> That's why he, did, he stretched the stick. Now, it's funny. The east wind, 
My son talked to me about this east wind. Thank God for a son that researches his stuff. East wind brought locusts. The east wind is dry in the Sinai area. So God picked the wind, not the west, not the north, not the south. He picked the wind that is dry. So while they're sleeping, God has already solved the problem. <laughs> you see, stretching the stick was just to say, obey me. But all night long, God has been fixing the problem all night long. I could jump with it. Because sometimes we think he ain't doing nothing when he's doing everything. Because, because we want to see it. We want to understand it. We want to comprehend it. And God is going, I can't explain it to you. Your head would bust. I, I, I am God. You try to explain something to a child and they will just go, I don't know what you're saying. Because they're too small. I don't forget my wife doing this. I thought she was brilliant. She, my son, I don't know where he gets this from, but he's sitting in the back seat of a car. We just got back from our vacation. We just drove into, into the garage, and he goes, Mom and Dad, what is sex? I don't know where it came from. It's like, what? I'm tired. I've been driving for 40 hours, literally. I'm like, what? I look at my wife. She grabbed my hand. She says, I got this. I said, okay, early childhood development lady, you got this? Let's she said, no, don't do anything yet. She goes to the back of the car, and she says, come with me, come with me. He says, okay, okay, mama, okay, mama, but, I, but what is it? She says, it's okay, you come with me. She goes to the back of the car. She says, grab that suitcase for me real quick. And he tries to grab it, but it's too heavy. He says, says mama, this suitcase is too heavy. What you ask me is too heavy for a seven-year-old. I said, you the woman. I'm going to hold on to you, honey baby child. Because I was thinking biblically and theologically. And, and she just broke it down. He goes, okay, mama. I'm just going, hallelujah. Thank you for the helper that you gave me today. Especially since she can cook on top of that. Understand. I mean just cook a meal. I mean cook. Where you're trying not to bite your tongue. You know. Understand. God is saying, I can't explain what I'm doing. So where would I get the east wind from? Tell me. You know, we're back to Job. Job, where were you? You want an explanation, Job. But where were you? If I explained this to you, you wouldn't get it because you weren't even living long enough for me to tell you how it works. That's why the Bible says rest. And obey. Because when you think I ain't doing nothing, I'm doing everything. I got your back. You can't handle your back. You know, I always think that God automatically builds in limitations. He only gives us two hands. Why? We're limited. Two feet. Why? We're limited. You ever saw a roach? Come on now. How many feet roach got? Could you catch them? He gave us two feet, two hands, two eyes, and a back that you can't scratch. You could try, but you can't scratch. He reminds us you need help. I 
That's why you should get married. I'm just kidding. I got nothing to do with marriage. Get a back scratcher. No, over here. Ah, come on, it's over there. Why don't you scratch your whole back? That's a great idea. Look at this. He says in verse 21, Moses stretched out his hand. The wind came in the midst of the sea and the waters and the wall of water is there. The wall of water is there. I don't know if I'm going to finish this message today, Pierre. It may frustrate Pierre. The wall of water was there. Come on, God. Just open up the Red Sea. Let it be a nice lake. Like in the Bahamas, a beautiful beach experience. So when I'm walking by, I feel like getting a virgin, a virgin pina colada with a palm leaf and drink it while I'm walking going, this is so beautiful. Come on, God. That's what you do, God. That's how you make this work, God. No, God says, you got to believe me for the impossible. If you're going to walk with me, if you're going to have steps to faith, if you're going to really turn your life over to me and let me guide it when you have decided that the only sense that is, that is sense is not common sense, it is God's sense. The minute you decide that common sense is not God's sense, it is my sense, it's what's what it needs to be, then he says that I'm going to still require for you to trust me. Could you imagine walking into the depths of a sea and on the both sides of the depths of the sea, there's a wall of water going up. Could you imagine this wall of water and the noise it's making? And he says, walk. That's why he sent the army. Who going to walk? Come on now. I know y'all in church. <laughs> y'all love the Lord. Y'all heard his cry. And so you're going to go, oh, I'll follow the Lord Jesus. No, 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 no. Hold up a second. Before you, don't slow your roll down. This wall of water is high. It's making noise. And in, the, and in the midst of it is dry land. Could you imagine how wide that had to be to take care of two million people? And he's telling you to go into that water when you have been a slave watching this Red Sea blow winds and storms and billows and all these different things taking place. And now he puts you smack dab in the middle of it and don't take away how high, how much roaring that noise is. Walk. Notice when he says walk, he sends the military. Some of us, God can't, <laughs> can't just tell us what to do. He got to put some fire on our back. Why is life so hard? That's when you pray. Why is life so hard sometimes? That's when you read the Bible. Why is life so hard sometimes? I want to go to church. I need a word from God. I, that's how I get you through the problem. It's by putting the army on your back. They can't catch you, but I can get them to drive you forward. That's why trials do what? Perfect. What does trials do? Oh, trials rebuild you. It's like a fiery furnace that refines you, Peter says. Peter says, it's not like I didn't know what to do in 1 Peter chapter 1. He refined me like fire and gold. I was already gold. I just had impurities in me. So he created fire around me to make me better. So that when he tells me to preach the gospel, I'll stand right there by the temple and preach it. But I needed refining, even though I was already gold. He puts the arm. So she, sometimes we get so mad at God. I got this problem, that problem. God, look, finances are over here. This situation is there. This is happening. God, look, look, God, 
I'm struggling with depression, loneliness. I'm struggling with anxiety because of this and that. And God is saying, what are you doing when you're going through all of that? Oh, oh, wait a minute. I'm talking to you when I'm going through all that. That's it. What are you doing? Trying to find answers from the word of God. Says, well, that's why I got it on your back. Not that you're going to lose, get hurt, fall apart. Because I got your back. I didn't put the army there without first getting your back. Watch this, folks. Faith faces the impossible. It just faces the impossible. The army is pursuing them. He makes it difficult for them to come. He even makes the unsaved army go. This God is fighting for them. We need to back this thing up. I, I, I thought it was funny. The unsaved world is saying, you know what? We need condoms because these kids ain't listening. They're trying to find answers. We can have a day of prayer. Where are the Christians when you say a day of prayer at church? The world keeps trying to find answers. We're the ones walking around going, hey, God, I just got to do what I got to do. And we're the ones with the answer. <laughs> it's, it, it is, it is the, the sailors in the boat with Jonah that started casting lots and say, pray to the God you have. Jonah's at the bottom of the boat sleep, running from God. We are so apathetic because we just want things to be our way. Now watch, watch what happens here. I'll summarize. Watch what happens. You have to remember that God has your back. He has your back. And the last thing I'm going to summarize here today is when he has your back, He's the one that's fighting for you. You ain't fighting for yourself. And when you totally just surrender and decide to trust God, he rewards you. <sighs> Please hear me. He does what? Rewards you. Go to Hebrews 11.6. He rewards you. Please say that. I want you to hear that. Faith rewards me. Say that. Can't hear you. Say it again. Exactly. That's what faith does. It is your reward. And what is faith is? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That's all I, it comes this way. But I got to put, James says, I got to put it to work before it works. I can hear it, but it's still my decision whether or not I'm going to take a stick. Still my decision whether or not I'm going to lead the situation the way God says. It's still my decision as to what I'm going to do. But if I don't abide in him, it comes to nothing. So he's literally saying, the minute I said faith, he says, you've been rewarded. It's a wrap. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. We, a lot of times we, we love to read Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 2. But no, 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 no. I want you to read Hebrews chapter 11. Look at verse 6. He says this. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to have a worship service. That's what please means in the Bible. You can't lead people to worship God, to honor him, to walk with him, to surrender their life to him, to cause them to truly lift up their hands and say, God, I trust you. God, I believe in you. Sing all those songs that talk about how great God is. He says, you can't get them to really do that when they're coming to church, but they don't believe nothing God is saying. It's just a song service. You got to pump them up. You got to make them jump. Because they don't plan to do nothing. 
Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God, he who keeps seeking God, who keeps doing what God tells them to do, they come, they come. If you come to me and you're heavy laden, I will take your load off your back. But you must come. You must decide to do this. I can't do this for you. It is your free will to decide whether or not you're going to do what I say to do when it's impossible, when it's crazy, when it makes no sense, when your emotions are this way, your anxiety level is this way, your frustrations are this high, your pain is this high, when you're just totally stressed out and just really want to run from everything. Will you at that point say, God, it's not my will, but your will be done. When you're like me in the garden of Gethsemane saying, God, I can't take no more. But God says, I'm not changing anything, Jesus. Will you be like Christ? Not my will, but thy will be done. The world and the pain of the world took Christ to the garden. I pray that even when Christ was there praying to God, he still went to the Father. And that's why it's rewarded. Look at verse 30. Look at verse 30 of chapter 14 of Exodus. As I summarize this point, he says this. Those, thus the Lord saved Israel. Who saved them? Did they fight? Did they raise a sword? Did they go kill the army? Did they walk around there? Oh, Moses, I got this stick working. I just stretched this stick out and kill all of y'all at one time. No. The same towering wall of water, God let it drop on them. Water is so dense that it, knocked, it must have knocked them all out. They could not swim out of there. That same water that God held back, that same water God used to crush the enemy. Pow! So it wasn't like he was making it hard for you, for the part for the, for the Israel. He was getting ready for the Egyptians. <laughs> so a lot of times, God, you're making life so hard. He's going, nah, I just got a plan for your enemy. <laughs> and the Lord saved Israel that day. I love it. The word means he, re- he delivered them from the Egyptians and Israel. Watch this carefully. The only way they could believe God is because this key word, they saw. Oh, don't be that way. They saw. Ah, come on. They saw. They saw. I remember building this building, and I remember going in saying, I said, Pastor, we can't start. You know, the rain is falling. This is happening. And we need to make sure we got all the money. I said, nah. We're going to start. Big meeting. In the trailer and stuff. I heard everything. Do we have enough to start? Yes. Start. Why? 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 Okay, somebody in the meeting says, why? 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 They got to see. To believe. They got to see. Start. But this may go wrong. Hey, how much more wrong could it be? Start. The Is- Israel saw the Egyptians dead. Verse 31. And when Israel saw, repeated, and it's repeated emphasis, the great power 
which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord. Look how many times they're saying Lord, please. And then his servant Moses. Look at who they said last. That's why you don't believe in a leader until God believes in him. Please hear me with that. Yeah, I'm your pastor. I don't care. I'm going to still train you the right way. Okay? I'm not going to train you to work with me. I'm going to train you. to. I'm your shepherd. So I want to protect you. So I'm going to say it the right way. You don't believe in a leader until God shows he believes in him. Watch the order here. He says... The power of the Lord had used against the Egyptians. That powerful water knocked them out, killed them. Watch this carefully, real quick. We're right out of time. Okay? They're in the water. They turn around. We're going to get out of here. They're fighting. God says, No, I waited till you were in the midst of the water, in the middle of it. <laughs> and it's two o'clock in the morning. So I've been watching you. And he said, He came at a certain watch. They're defining the watch because of how the Jews function. That's 2 a.m. in the morning. The folks are still walking all night long. That's why he disciplined them when they were going the wrong way. To have the pillar and the fire all night. God needs discipline to achieve faith. If people are going to stop this time, don't this time, steadfastness leads to faith. So God says, keep walking all night. Why? I'm preparing you to walk all night through the sea because they got chariots, you got feet. So I got to discipline you. That's why I got to trust him at all times. God, why is this going on so long? I got to prepare you for the real battle. I got to prepare you for what really could go wrong. So since this could, I know what's coming, I need you to walk all night long with your kids, with your chariot, with your carry, with your, with your, uh, your donkey carts. With your bags on your back all night long. Walk. Because all night long you got to walk through the Red Sea. Because I need these folks to get into the middle. Because when they're in the middle and they, oh my God, this God is fighting for them. And they turn around. I'm going to collapse that water on them. So they can't get out. So right, we don't have time, but right at the right time. If you look at how he's talking to Moses, it's an imperative tense. It's an imperfect tense. It literally means, uh, Moses, 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 come on, Moses, 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 come on, raise, raise your sword. Ray, 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 ray. Come on, Moses, Moses. Moses has been taking care of these people all day, all night. Oh, come on, Moses, Moses, Moses. Raise the rod, raise the rod. Ray. Come on, Moses, raise the rod. Moses, he can just crush the water. He still pulls a leader. Why, I always tell leaders, even in my house, I can't give up leadership because Satan automatically won. It's not about position and your arrogance and I'm not that person. But babe, I can't give up leadership because that's what happened to Eve. It brought sin into the world. God don't have to have no Moses do anything. God is God. He's been doing a whole lot without that stick. But in front of all the people, he said, Moses, raise the stick. Come, Moses, raise the stick. Moses, raise the stick. Moses, get up, raise the stick. And until Moses raised that stick, God said, Pah! 
at the right time, 2 a.m. in the morning, they can't get out, it's over. You got to wait on God. His time is perfect. His time is just right. But you can't experience his blessing if you're on the wrong side of the lake. If you're on the wrong side of the sea, you experience their wrath. That's why David would say, I'd rather run to the mercy of God than run to my enemy. Matter of fact, it's the opposite. I'd rather run to my enemy who may have mercy on me than the wrath of God. I don't want to be in the wrath of God. I'd rather go fight the enemy. The wrath of God is way above my pay grade. That's why, folks, faith will work when our reverence, respect for God is in place. Please hear me. You would have a hard time walking by faith when you have no reverence for God. When you could do whatever you want to do and there's no fear in your heart about what God can do, it would not drive you to faith. The only person that God said to fear is God. Not your problems, not your trials, not the financial issue, not the pain of life. Don't fear that. You want to fear me. Fear of me is a reverence for me, not a terror fear. Oh God, you're going to kill me. That's, he doesn't want that. The Bible says fear is the beginning of wisdom. It's a reverence for God. God, you know my thoughts. You know my emotions. You know my feelings. You know what's going on. Oh God, I understand that you understand everything about me. You know I don't want to do this, God. But God, I so respect who you are. I so know you love me. I so know you care for me. I so know you do everything to help me. So God, because I know that, I will trust you. That's the fear. The fear is when my mom would whip me. <laughs> my dad would whip me for smoking a cigarette. I thought I was a man. My friends say, man, you grown, man. Smoke with us. Yeah, you right. Smoke a cigarette. I got home. When you get to my house and you hit the door and it's not locked, it was open for you. I hit the door. Walk in there. There's a man sitting there. My dad had tea. My mom most likely was the one who had tea and some cookies and stuff there. And they're talking about how bad these kids are today. I'm walking past my dad like nothing is wrong. And he's staring at me. And I started to realize, they're talking about me. <laughs> And my dad cooled me to the side. I heard you've been smoking. Yes, dad. Don't lie to my dad. Your dad meets you. Might as well just go ahead and let go in the kitchen and make that chopped beef. He couldn't stand it. Couldn't stand nobody lying to him. Couldn't stand his kids lying to him. He had no, no, no tolerance for that. <laughs> my dad whipped me. I never forget going back downtown with my friends. We're hanging out, doing stuff. Friends said, come on, Candace. You can give him get one. No. Are you going to punk out like that? Yes. So you're not going to, man, are you serious, Cannons? 
Yes. Why are you scared? Yes. I didn't stop smoking because I didn't like smoking. I stopped smoking because I didn't like the reverence that my dad created in my heart. See, folks, I ended up walking by faith because I reverenced. I never forget in college having people knocking on my doors, playing a soccer play, you get better and better. You got girls knocking on your door. They pretty. But I know it was so hurt my mom. So I acted like I didn't hear nothing. Because I know if they came in that door, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. But I said, my mom sacrificed so much for me. I ain't opening that door. You see, folks, what gets us to do right and end up with steps of faith is a reverent love for God. When we don't have that, our will can take us everywhere. Let us stand. I want you to come to Christ today. I really do. Come to Christ today. Okay? I don't know what you're facing. I, we try to keep up. Thanks to a good staff, not just me. I wouldn't make it without the staff and the volunteers that are faithful around here. Lost a faithful member, Linda Rainey. Faithful. It hurts when you, God lets your faithful people pass. You know you're missing a huge link, but you still got to do what he says. So we try to keep up, but we don't perfectly do that so if you know that your life lacks this commitment to face the impossible and do it God's way come let me pray with you let me have this time with you today if you want to join Living Word Fellowship Church go to my far left Pastor Lawrence is there faithfully if you don't know Jesus Christ is your Savior come to my left give him your heart your soul and your mind today Coming to church doesn't save you. It's when you believe that Jesus died for your sins and rose from the dead. It's when you believe with your heart. God, I'm going to turn my life over to you. I'm going to commit to turn my life over to you. When, if that hasn't happened, you're not saved. Please don't play with that. Don't play with that. Okay, you may take a long time to join the church, but don't play with that. That's not something you play with. So come to Christ. We'll serve you to my right, my left, your right, or call the church. We would love to share the gospel with you. We're here to serve you. That's why we're here. So come today and give your heart to Christ. Not just your attendance, but your heart. Let me pray with you today. Let me pray with you today. Come today. When you know God has touched your heart, when you know God is saying to you today, I really need to walk by faith. I really need to do what God has called me to do no matter how impossible situations may be in my life because I'm living in the wild. I'm living in the zoo of Satan's world. But I need to give my heart to Christ to make my way through so that I walk in the light as he's in the light. Come today. 
Say yes to God today. My soul is within me. And I am available. You're only going to sing this song one more time. Come today. Say yes to him today. Oh, Lord, I'm available to you. Oh, my will I give to you, Lord. I'll do what you say to use me, Lord, to show someone the way I've I feel like praying for all of you. So I will do that. Then we'll dismiss since we are above our time. And we want you to go to Life App. We don't want you to walk away from Life App because of the time. Don't, don't worry about no football game. Just record it and look at it later. I don't answer your phone when your Texans lose. It's going to be okay. Let us pray. God, I don't know why I feel a need to pray for your people, but I do. I want you, God, in the name of Jesus, to cause them to find a person that they could cry with, they can mourn with, that is a godly person so that they would have the humanity taken care of so they can walk with you, God. Lord, stuff is just wild. It's crazy. But I don't want to see a church grow cold and they walk with you and become apathetic in their faith in you. Because God, I know Satan will take advantage of that. They wouldn't be on the other side of the Red Sea They'll be in the midst of it. And God, I don't want to see you have to work hard to separate the wheat from the tares because they're in the midst of the sea or they're on the other side of the sea and they're not standing watching your victory because they obeyed you. God, I know it's scary to do church in these times. I pray, God, as you bring this virus down, folks will come with a vengeance to make sure that they make up for lost time because you need your church to be the church. You need us to march in order for this thing to be washed away in the way it needs to be. So guard us from doubt. Guard us from fear of that things can bring us. Guard us from anxiety that would stare us away. Bless us to remember your word. Bless us to walk in it. Bless us to be humble enough that when we are wrong, we confess our sins. And God, I pray that we have the humility to change wherever you ask us to. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, that's the benediction today. 
I am concerned about you as a pastor. Don't forget Mr. Need. Uh, I believe I said the name right or Mr. Mead. Is it Need right? Don't forget to stop by. The people that are serving us, that are seeking to serve us, they need your support. So if God leads you that way, please, don't make excuses. Well, the line was long. Oh, no, there are people that died for this. You ain't got problems. But that's what God has put on my heart for you today. Have your steps walking by faith and not by sight. God bless you.